Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 9th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 93, paragraph 2. Today's readers are Eileen G., 12 Steps, Crystal, 12 Traditions, Fran, Michelle H., Sally, and Sharon R.S. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, October 8th, is 5274. 5274. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Eileen G. to read the 12 steps. Eileen, and these are the 12 steps. I'm from Massachusetts. Um, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Eileen. I will now ask Crystal to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Crystal, recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions 
of Overeaters Anonymous. First, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Second, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Third, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Fourth, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Fifth, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Sixth, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seventh, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eighth, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Ninth, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Tenth, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleventh, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelfth, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle before personality. I pass. Thank you, Crystal. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting and everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 93, paragraph 2, and I will ask friend I to begin reading. Good morning, morning, uh, Melanie. Uh, this is Fran Compulsive Overeater. Good morning, Vision for You. Your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. 
in that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. But call to his attention the fact that, however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not be compulsively eating. Perhaps your story will help him to see why he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. And the only two requirements for someone to recover are that they have a part, they believe in a power greater than themselves, and it's not them. And um, so that each person that comes into the program has to define who God is for themselves. And I know in my case, I um, I was religious and I did go to church and everything, but I wasn't able to to manifest the very love of God that I professed. And the principles of the steps is, I've heard it said that it's the plan of forgiveness is um, enacted in the 12 steps. So as as I surrender and I uh, cultivate hope and faith and courage, humility, perseverance, love, and as my spiritual awakening begins to grow, then I am able to act out my faith and and pass it on to the next person. But if I'm not examining and looking at what my part is in um, in my interactions with others, uh, there's no way that I can then grow on and to develop the spiritual awakenings that come as as I go through the steps. And and these principles are universal and they're absolute and they work for anyone at any time. They just have to be put into action because uh, faith, vital faith does require action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Fran. Who's ready to share on what Fran just read? Eileen from Bedford, Mass. Good morning, Eileen. Good morning. Thanks for recognizing me. Um, I'm a food addict uh, in recovery. I like this paragraph. Uh, It's talking all about your connection with the higher power. Um, Whether the person that you're speaking with comes from uh, more religious education than you. Um, The uh, the truth is that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, an unselfish constructive action. It has to come with being abstinent uh, or sober. Um, Your understanding to the person, it's not going to matter a hill of beans if you're talking to them about spiritual concepts if you're not clean and sober. 
abstinent or not. Uh, admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that, however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not he would not drink. He's got to be able to apply not drinking, not eating, not compulsively eating. That's where our connection comes with the spiritual um, leader, you know, with, with uh, God, with a higher power. You know, it's, it comes with that trust and faith that things in your life are going to get better if you don't pick up. Um, so I really enjoyed this paragraph this morning, and I enjoyed listening to everyone else, so I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Eileen. Who's next? Sylvia. Sylvia. Oh, here's Sylvia and then Sally. Hi, Hi, Sylvia. Well, thank you so much. This is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in upstate New York. Um, there's so much in this paragraph um, that tells us exactly, uh, reminds us exactly how we got our recovery, which is what we're going to share. And um, just to add on to what it, it has already been said, the couple of things that stand out for me is um, he may be example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. And, and while that's true, we must have faith. And um, it took me a long time to understand that there was a difference in believing in God and having faith that that God would help me. So that while faith alone is insufficient, it's saying that you've got to have faith there. And it doesn't matter faith in a power greater than yourself. And when I came in, it was, it was for me, you know, I came in desperate and I was such a relief to know that it was not me. That was the biggest relief. And then to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive, constructive action. And we know that um, we learn that through doing this, the steps. That's where we learn what self, uh, self-sacrifice and unselfish construction looks like. And, um, and, and at the bottom it says, your story will help him see where he's failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. And that happens to me even still, which is why this is a daily program. And um, so for me right now, I am recovered. I am not getting into my food. But it is so easy for me to slip back into selfishness, which is the opposite of what they're asking for, and self-centeredness, which is the opposite of self-sacrifice. The difference for me now, which is what, um, which, which is what I have, what other people want when I am truly recovered, is that um, uh, I I can get the serenity happening. I can get so comfortable in my body and my mind. I can be so connected with that higher power that I'm not into self. I'm not into self-centeredness. And that is the attractiveness. I think it's much more than we've put the food down or we're in a normal body weight. It's that third component there that makes us so attractive. And that is 
how um, I have what someone else wants and will come alongside with me. I don't know if I made any sense today, but it's something I've been thinking about. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Sally, you're next. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning. A vision for you. It's Sally in South Jersey. Recovered compulsive overeater, and this has become one of my favorite paragraphs as well because um, because coming into uh, coming into this program this last uh, this last year, and actually reading the big book um, and working on the steps with my sponsor. When I reached step three, I really was just um, not. I couldn't understand what is wrong with me. I have this. I should be like skipping step one, two, and three because I have this. And when it says your prospect may belong to a religious denomination, yeah, I was I was in a religious denomination for a lot of years. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. I I had a lot of knowledge um, in terms of religious education, and it goes on to say. In that case, he is going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. That was me. I just sort of said, let's just move on here because I've got this step one, two, and three. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well, and certainly that was me. I was very curious as to why, with all of my, and it goes right on here to say, uh, it talks very clearly about faith and knowledge. Go down to, uh, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not. I wouldn't have been binging. So what was wrong with me? I had a lot of faith and I had a lot of knowledge. And yet here I was in this program for years trying to, once and for all, put the food down, and I couldn't get it. And it goes on to say, perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed, and here are the key words for me, to practice the very precepts he knows so well. So what was I doing all those years of my life that I was um, practicing a religion, um, filling Sorry, Sally. I'm back. So what was I doing when I was filling my head with all that knowledge and I was on my knees praying for so many years? What was I actually doing? And when I look at this paragraph, it really is a wonderful, um, a very gentle slap in the face for me um, and a wonderful slap in the face that really brought to my reality that despite the fact that I had an intellectual ground that was well well uh you know prepared and lots of seeds had fallen into it i was just stepping on the seeds on a regular basis with self-reliance i was never as page 68 talks about key page for me i was living in self-reliance i was never turning anything that was really important in my life over to god i was not practicing any of the principles that I was learning. Um, my dependence was on my intellect. I was going to figure out my way of escape for every problem, every significant problem. Oh, yeah, I prayed about, you know, I prayed a lot of things. I got up at 5 in the morning and prayed. 
Um, I was a very firm believer in prayer. But so what was I doing? What was I doing wrong? What I was doing was that I was praying, but ultimately I was continually bringing my bricks to the altar of my God and then picking them back up and walking away with them and going away thinking, I will fix this. I will figure out how to fix this. There was so much self-reliance in my in my walk. And so when I see these words, to practice the very precepts he knows so well, first of all, I'm reminded of the bottom of page 13 that gives us the essentials, a belief in a, in a God, willingness, um, honesty, and humility. And the, and the big book describes humility as the absence of self-pride, self-will, and self-assertion. That's what the big book dictionary says. I memorized it because I think it's that important to understand that if this is the premise, the essentials to faith that, that this book tells me, then I have to look at this. Have I been practicing the, just the essentials? Never mind adding to my knowledge more and more and more knowledge. Am I simply practicing the essentials to believe in God, to humble myself, and to finally lay aside my self-pride, my self-will, and my self-assertion? And can I finally be really honest? And to be honest is to recognize I don't have it. I'm not enough. And I do need to turn to my higher power on a daily basis, moment by moment. And that's the constructive action that I think is spoken of right in the middle of the paragraph. And I'll end with this. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. What is the action? I believe the action is step three, turn, to make a turn, to change, to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And I do that now as I live in recovery. I do that throughout my day, moment by moment, constantly in prayer, constantly waiting on my higher power to show me what is the next action that I should take and courageously, even fearlessly going forward if I am so impressed by my higher power. With that, I I pass. Thanks, Mel. Thank you, Sally. Who's next on what was read this morning? This is Barbara. Leah. Jerusalem. Whoa. (laughs) I hear hear Barbara. I hear Monica. I hear Barrett. So it's Mm -hmm. Barbara. Just one second here if I can get all these. Barbara. Did I say Leah? And then did I say Monica? And then Barrett, and I heard Kim. I know there are other ones mixed up in there. I apologize for missing you, but I'll catch you next. Let's start with Barbara. Thank you. This is Barbara. I'm a compulsive overeater. And what a wonderful full paragraph. And where it takes me is that when it comes down to it, it repeats through the big book, tell my story. So I'm reliving my story as I'm listening and remembering what it was like to have a head full of religion, theology, theology one, two, attempting to practice those precepts and prayer practices to the best of my ability. I could do that daily, but what I didn't have and what I needed to find was the disease concept, the allergy of the mind, the, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, and a fellowship people to walk the 12-step way with. So all of the religion, which serves, serves me well today, because as it says, God, in God's economy, nothing is wasted. 
So it serves me well in turning it to the practice of spiritual uh, principles that are taught to me and shown to me in this fellowship, but without the concepts of the principles of addiction and disease, which were missing, none of those practices could do me any good. I needed to know the phenomenon of craving so I could see what it was like when I could leave a church at 9 o'clock in the morning and be at the other altar, the bakery, at 9.15. That once I started and gave into that, nothing else counted. And the spiritual way of life, as it says you know, earlier, to share the message in everyday terms is a very good thing for me to hear because I don't want to get into discussions of religion and theology and countering and proving, which is what I used to do before living a 12-step way. And I also am thinking back as I listen to this to Bill W. sitting at that kitchen table and hearing and seeing sober Evie and saying, well, now he's got religion. Because the spiritual way of life is just taken to mean religion, which is why I always hear the reminder that this is a spiritual program, spiritually based, a spiritual program of action, not religion. Now, it's certainly a spiritual way of life enriches my choice of religious practices and affiliation. One was just an empty structure without this at the foundation, and they go parallel and they go building upward. But one, the religious structure had to fall because of my addiction and my disease and because it, it's strong because of the recovery from those. Um, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Leah, you're next. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Again, we're in Chapter 7, Working with Others. So the big book is giving me instructions as to how to deal with uh, others who are still suffering. It says, your prospect may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. Um, he may be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. Um, well, you know, certainly when someone um, is at this point um, <laughs> that they're curious to learn why, uh, that's a good sign. You know, the disease has perhaps beaten them into a state of uh, reasonableness to um, to take a look at the at the way that they are living and the results of of their life. That the fact that they are are compulsively overeating. It says, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. What does vital mean? Vital means very important, essential, indispensable, life-supporting. So um, the big book is, is teaching here that um, faith alone is not enough. You know, we hear that all the time. Faith without works is dead. Um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of OA rooms specialized in what we used to call fat serenity. Uh, you know, perhaps some topic meetings that focus on uh, love or gratitude, and yet you're still binging your brains out uh, after the meeting on the way home from from the church. Um, that's not what, you know, uh, 
that that's not what a recovered person uh, does. You know, a recovered person um, has faith and works, just like works with without faith is is dead too, right? You can do all the activities um, in an OA community and still be binging your brains out. Both are truth. Faith without works is dead, and work without faith is dead too. It has to be uh, followed by self-sacrifice and unselfish construction, constructive action. This is something Bill conveyed in his story on page 14 when he said, um, particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For an, if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. Um, meaning that, you know, this program is much more than just having faith in God. It's laying down these principles in every facet of my life. It is threading it through all my relationships. It's not getting on this line and saying, I really believe in God, and the program has brought me to realize that there's a God in a universe, and then hang up the phone and go criticize my husband and slap my children around. You know, the spiritual work of a recovered person is to train my face to smile uh, at an ass neighbor and to restrain my tongue from making negative remarks to cranky children and to drill my mind in in uh, judging others favorable you know and and to exude um, hopefully an attitude of love and tolerance you know it's 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 to instruct my shoulders to to perhaps carry another's load you know even if I don't want to it says, admit that he probably knows more about it than you do. Yes, you may know more about God. Absolutely. I came here with a very crippled belief system. But call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, and knowledge is just intellect, you know, we can all be very, very, very smart compulsive overeaters. But call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. You know, where am I seeking my ease and comfort? If I am believing that there is a God and yet still digging my fists into a cellophane bag in a bakery box in order to have ease and comfort and a refuge from the reality of life, then that is not a faith that's holding me up. That's like, that's like dust. That's not real faith. That, that, that's dust in my hands that falls from the sky. That's, that's, it's nothing. It's nebulous. It's nebulous. You know, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to lay it down in every facet of our life and keep going to God for that ease and comfort because when we keep emptying ourselves um, with, you know, compassion for other people and laying these principles in, in our lives, God continues to fill our well. I mean, that's one of the spiritual paradoxes is the more I serve others, the more I bring these principles uh, into my life, the more my life is taken care of. The more I'm emptied of false self through implementing these very steps in this book and continuing to empty myself by 10, 11, and 12, then the more I am restored to true self, the more I give away, the more of me I have. And that is, uh, you know, that, that's the blessing of the program. That's the blessing of the program, to have it all. 
And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Monica? Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And diddle, diddle, what, what more could I say after what, um, how Leah put this so well? Um, uh, guess what I will just say is here we are working with others. And again, the big book here is giving me information, instructions, help here in, in working with others. And this can be a very, very big thing here, this religious um, thinking, this religious tr- um, aspect. You know, a lot of people are very, very religious. And this can be a very big stumbling block for them. You know, how can you tell me or show me anything else? Um, And it's true. You know, they'll know a whole bunch more than I do and have a lot more experience. But like the big book here is, is saying, there's something missing. And thank God that way back on page 27, Dr. Young said this to Roland Hazard that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience, that there was something missing, something wasn't sufficient. And I also felt that I was, you know, I was, I am, I was, I am a religious person. But obviously there was something missing there. Something was blocking me off from God. And... That's what this is trying to tell us, you know, that there's something, there's something missing. There's something more you need to be doing. And, it, and it's telling us that it's action. It's action. That we got to do things. We, there's different ways of doing things. And how do we come about to get all of this? It's called working the steps, cleaning our house, getting that connection with God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Monica. Vered? Hi, this is Vered, a recovered compulsive overeater from Jerusalem. And again, I can't add much after what was said. But what I really deeply hear for myself as a sponsor, as a recovered compulsive overeater who's doing 12 steps with others, is actually a requirement for a lot of humbleness. As a person who found finally, a religious person, and I was born religious, but found that God um, really is part of every single action and thought. And I mean, that's the mission. That's where I, that's where my target is in my life to remember where I started. And I'm asking here to be humbled and not to start preaching, not to start preaching and saying, hey, you know, you have, you're doing all these uh, religious uh, d- deeds and, you're, and it doesn't help you. That's going to throw this person away. And actually, maybe what this person was practicing wasn't, did not lead him to where um, he wants to get to, but it might very well later on be a great part of what's going to help him with a little twist. So I'm asking, I'm, I'm asked here to really be humbled and not to start preaching, but taking him through the steps, exactly how it was done with me when I just started. And when I look at the, um, at the introduction to the second, um, to this um, second edition, 
exactly it says the same thing when they um, talk about Dr. Bob. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to re resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. And we don't hear Bill W., you know, starting preaching about God. He just takes him as Abby did with him. He takes him through the steps. And that's what we're re required to do. And I personally, it really touched me, this paragraph, because I am still part of the addiction and my addiction and my um, um, self, me, myself, and I, selfishness, it's still the root of the disease. It exists. And sometimes when I think I have something in my hand, I went through this process, I'm wiser, I know it works, I want to preach. But that's not the way to go. People have to go through the journey they have to go through. I'm only a vessel and, and, and praying to be God's vessel, and that's it. And with that, with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Barrett. Kim G, it's your turn. Morning, Melanie. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. And maybe he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. And I'm going to approach this from a little different angle um, about what we think we know about the 12 steps. You know, I spent 17 years in OA before I really worked these steps according to the big book. And I think a lot of us in the rooms act like experts. Well, we, can, we, we know those promises inside and out, and we can quote the steps and do these different things, and yet we keep going back to the food, and we keep going back to the food, and we keep going back to the food. So I want to take this from the angle. If you're out there and you're someone who's been in here for decades, this is about humility. This is about humility. As much as you might have been in LA for 20 years, as much as you feel like you're ingrained in this program, if you cannot stay abstinent, if you cannot stay abstinent for any length of time, or if you are abstinent and crazy and uncomfortable and restless and irritable and discontent, let's look at this. You know, if, if, if it's, it's not sufficient if you keep picking up, be willing to look at these steps from a totally different angle. Look at those people who identify themselves as recovered, who have the obsession removed, and be willing to ask them what they're doing. Because so many of us think, well, I've done those steps and they don't work. I tried LA and it didn't work. But what a lot of us have done is we've come in and out of the fellowship. The fellowship. And have we really gotten into the program of recovery? Have we really worked these steps and applied them in our life? Or are we intellectually smart about the words? Are we relying on human aid of the fellowship and thinking that meetings and, and the tools in and of themselves will give us recovery? Or do we understand that the tools are to be used to work these steps. You know, I remember someone I worked with who came in, thank God, from AA, so she had a little bit of knowledge of the 12 steps and came into an OA meeting. And this woman was leaving the meeting. She was morbidly obese. She said she'd been in OA for 20 years, and she finally got two weeks, and everybody was clapping. And the girl's looking at it like, why are they clapping? She's been here for 20 years, and all she has is two weeks of abstinence? 
And that woman came up to her after the meeting and put her arm around her and said, Honey, sometimes the best we can do is just to get two weeks. I mean, what does that tell a newcomer? Thank God she came from AA so she knew to stay. But what does that tell a newcomer if they come in and say, the best that we can do is two weeks? I am here to tell you, you can have permanent recovery. I am here to tell you that I do not, I am not tortured by my binge foods today. The obsession has been removed. I have a neutrality around the food. I am safe and protected. And as much knowledge as you have about OA, as much knowledge as you have about these 12 steps, if you cannot stay abstinent, if you can only stay abstinent and be absolutely insane, open up your mind. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to open up your mind. Page 25 says, the great fact is just this and nothing else. We've had deep and effective spiritual experiences. I had a lot of deep experiences in OA around my faith and around awarenesses. But if I couldn't keep the food down, then it wasn't effective. So that's why when someone is saying that to call to his attention the fact that however deep and faith his faith and knowledge about the 12 steps, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Before we move on, um, I'd like to ask if there's anyone out there that has anything additional to add to what's already been shared. This is Paula. Yeah, this is Paula. Oh, I hear Paula and I hear Yael. Paula, you first, please. Yes. Hello. May I speak, Melanie? I'm not quite yes, sure. Yes. Oh, yes, thank you, Paula. Thank you. You, you would be first. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Oh, and I will return the thank you. You know, there's so much that's been shared, and I'm going to keep this short, but you know that we're curious. It's very curious that on the top of the page, there we see it again, and that is desirous of learning to know more. This is it. This is what you do with him. It says, but he will be curious to learn. Now, look at the words they use and why his own convictions have not worked. You know, that's usually the last thing. I don't want to know why it didn't work. He wants to know what worked in you and why yours seems to work so well. And remember the top of the page also says working with others, not against others, not against their beliefs. I'm not here for that. He may be an example of truth, that faith alone is insufficient. It wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough to catapult be very clear here, him into that fourth dimension. And then it said to, and I know this is being repeated, but boy, this is to be vital, faith must be accompanied by, and this is the difference, self-sacrifice. You're sitting there with another person. You're not out on the town. You're not celebrating. You're with another fellow sufferer. There, self-sacrifice and unselfish giving of time and we know the value of time, and constructive action, constructive to build up. But may I go just to the first page here on 89 and what it says there? To watch people recover. There it is. Life will take on new meaning. The second life that you get to live in this lifetime as was shared Thank you for allowing me to share. 
And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Yeah, Al, it is your turn. Thank you. Press star one, yeah, Al. Yeah, hi. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> this is a Yael, recovering compulsive overeater from Israel. Um, the the one piece I I wanted to to share it actually was something that occurred last night as I was talking to my sponsor um, because I had I had started going through the steps initially with her and at some point I did turn to the food and uh, we you know we we started. We analyzed what was going on and we started from the beginning. And what occurred to me was even though I thought I cleaned house and all these things, really there was something missing at the root of it. And we were talking about step one and step two. And last night as we were discussing step two, um, what really came out for me was, yes, I grew up with religion and I fully believe and in a power greater than myself. I even believed that he was part of my life, that when these little miracles happened, he was the one that did it. And, and, and I knew all of this. But what came out last night was really that not, it's not just that he's around and he'll do something nice for me and he'll, and he'll uh, do these miracles that, you know, here and there kind of thing. But there was part of me that lacked the self-confidence to think that, God will do this for me just as much as he's doing it for everybody else. I didn't believe that he would do it for me. I hear everybody on the line, and I hear everybody say how God did it for them and for them and for this one and for that one and for that one. And part of me just felt, I'm not, I, this is not, I, I'm not sure, I'm not convinced this will, uh, this will actually happen to me. Um, but I want to say that the more... Um, I do listen to the meetings, and the more I hear the uh, recovery from everybody, so thank you, everybody, for sharing all of that. Um, it kind of, at some point, I'm starting to change my thinking into, why not me? I'm equal to everybody else. I'm not better than, I'm not worse than, but I'm equal to, and uh, I, can, I, can, I can trust in the process that that recovery will come to me as well. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Yael. And this is Melanie, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I don't know if um, anyone else on the line here has heard what these principles are that are behind each step. And I thought maybe I would just read those real quick, uh, maybe even as a reminder for most of us that step one, the principle is honesty. Step two, hope. Step three, faith. Step four, courage. Step five, integrity. Step six, willingness. Step seven, humility. Eight, brotherly love. Nine, justice. Ten, perseverance. Eleven, spirituality. And twelve, service. And of course, we're just dealing with a a brand new prospect. And we're charged with the distinction. Um, And we're also charged with a very sensitive subject matter here to not offend and um, therefore blocking anybody or, or, or preventing anybody from being willing to go forward that, that happened to be in this place and this dilemma that we found ourselves in when we came into these rooms, that there is a distinction between um, religion and the spiritual part of this program. 
and that with that idea clearly clearly giving respect to that very important honorable piece which is religion for many people in their lives you know we lay down our lives for that sort of thing and it's clearly important and a tender tender place in which to approach this what we want to um to encourage is the is the idea of a of the things that have blocked us off and the process in which we're going to be able to come to that piece of, of, of brotherly harmony. And so the last line talks about um, that we are dealing generally with principles that are common to every denomination when we, when we bridge that piece to religious issues that may be discussed here. Yet we want to bring them back over onto this side that it is a spirituality and the things through my own selfishness and self-centeredness. Um, through survival techniques, came to be drawn only within, without thinking of other people. And so that there's a behavior, a conduct, that we will be moving towards that will align then with what our truths are from within us. And that's kind of general in that respect. But um, with that, I think that it's time probably to move on to the next paragraph. And Michelle H., would you still uh, start beginning to read? Um, we're on page 94 here, paragraph 1. Yes, good morning, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in St. Louis. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. Make it plain that he is under no obligation to you, that you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics when he escapes his own difficulties. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he is not under pressure, that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, you will have perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. And so, you know, this is hinging on the previous paragraph, um, you know, the principle that was talked about to be Vital faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. And so I'm I'm sharing, you know, I'm sharing my experience with another um, suffering compulsive overeater here. And what struck me at the top of the paragraph was it kept saying, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you are now endeavoring to be helpful to him. Again, I'm sharing my experience of how I went through these action steps. That, yes, you know, I had a problem. I thought I had a problem with food, and I thought it was my only problem. But my real problem was selfishness, self-centeredness, self-seeking, fear. And so I'm outlining this problem program of action. The real problem, the crux of the problem was in my mind. Yes, I needed to be abstinent, abstinent first, and then... Um, make that self-appraisal to see where I was selfish, self-centered, dishonest, full of fear. And then the steps that followed, the action steps that followed, that straightened that out. 
straightened out my past? How did I um, how did I work these action steps? These were very necessary, vital, important life supporting steps that that was you know that I'm now trying to pass on to him to her. Um, the still suffering compulsive overeater, and it's my my experience that can be helpful, that can win the confidence of a still suffering compulsive overeater. And then here, it's important for me to say that you know this me carrying the message plays an important part in my own recovery, and um, that follows by actually I know to remember that the person, the newcomer that I'm helping is helping me more than I'm helping him. And that keeps my ego in check. Um, I know early on when I was wanting to help other people, um, my ego wanted to reinflate and think that I was doing something. But no, I wasn't. I was strictly, you know, a humble servant. I needed to remember that and that I I was to be that empty vessel, an open channel so that God could come in because only God can transform another human being, not me. And then, you know, again, remaining humble, um, no under, under no obligation to stay. Um, I'm just here to be helpful. And that, again, I'm reminding myself as I remind the newcomer, it's important that he place the welfare of other people ahead of, ahead of his own. And, you know, that that's the transformation. That's the change. Because I, I was only thinking of myself. I was only thinking. Oh, Michelle, would you press star one? I think we've lost you. Okay, I'm back, Melanie. Um, not sure where I left off, but I was talking, and I know we're getting close to closing, so um, suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. And and that's a reminder to me, too. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm selfish. I think of myself. And this program, these action steps are transforming me and have transformed me to where I am starting to think of other people and place their welfare ahead. And as I carry this message, that's, that's me, you know, attempting to practice this principle of putting other people ahead, not only as I uh, carry the message, but in, in all my affairs and, you know, in all my daily actions with the people that cross my path that God puts in my life, especially my family members, my friends, my coworkers, and so I'm carrying this message, but I'm remaining humble. Um, I'm knowing that I'm sharing my experience, and I'm remaining, you know, at that open channel, knowing that lack of power, that was my dilemma. I'm relying on that power as I carry the message and share my experience. And these directions are, are going line by line telling me how to do that. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. We are at the close of the meeting, and this is a very long paragraph, so we're going to carry this over until tomorrow, and thank you so much. I want to thank everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sally A. please read a vision for you on page 164? Press star one, Sally. Oh, thank you. Um, it's still Sally, Recovered Compulsive Eater in South Jersey. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little, 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand him. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.